to have God's word open us up to Leviticus chapter 13. Uh, We'll read verses 1 to 3, and we'll skip down and read verses 45 and 46. And this is the reading of God's holy word. Uh, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, Then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair on the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. Skip down to verses 45 and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Uh, Would you join me in prayer at this time? God, we ask that your word would open us up. We ask that your word would speak to us and once again confirm and affirm our identity in you. We thank you that we have access to your word this morning. And would you now, by your spirit, speak powerfully to us. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, As we continue in our series in Leviticus, uh, today's passage, in a real timely way, draws our attention to the theme of separation and the gospel remedy for it. Uh, Very simply, uh, today's message can be broken down into three parts. We'll talk about sin, separation, and the solution. So first, sin. Uh, This section in Leviticus, chapters 11 to 15, um, seems a bit arbitrary uh, because it deals with things like dietary restrictions, uh, skin diseases, bodily discharges. Now, Christians have throughout history wondered, what is this text telling us and how is it applicable to us? Well, many pastors, uh, including Charles Spurgeon, have concluded that this section is interpreted best when it is seen as teaching the Christian about sin and its various forms. And I think they're right. If we follow this interpretation, we can see that in this section, there are two forms of sin. Uh, There's sin that we directly commit and actively participate in. And there are sins that we inherit, uh, sins that we passively receive. Sins that's passed on to us regardless of our will or volition. So we see there are two types. Sins where we are culprits and sins where we are victims. Now, Leviticus 13, as it deals with skin disease and leprosy, is hinting at the latter. You see, skin disease isn't something that people want to have. No one desires the mutation of their skin and the deforming of their body. 
leprosy was unknowingly transmitted and involuntarily received. It was a form of sin. It was a form of sin where the people were victims and not active participants. Now, this is, I think, a really important point to draw out because Christians and the church are really familiar with the first kind, the sin of commission, right? Sin where our hand is actually caught in the cookie jar stealing the cookie. But the Bible also draws our attention to the sobering reality that there are sins in our lives, sins that we have not played an active role in, yet sins that we face its consequences and its devastating blows every day. Uh, Right now, as all of you are aware, there is a global pandemic causing shockwaves throughout the world. Now, while some might be quick to point out who caused it and why we're in such chaos, I think we can all agree that no one wanted this. No one deliberately wanted to spread this virus, causing the entire world to be paralyzed. But the virus still spread. It's taken thousands of lives. And just like that, we went from economic optimism to fearing our very existence. Friends, because we live in a sin-fallen world, I can say confidently to you that there are sins in your life that you are not responsible for. Sins that you do not have to own up for. Even though those sins might have caused you so much brokenness and pain, even though you might have endured so much anguish and pain, even though those sins might have kept you up countless nights, causing anxiety and nervousness about tomorrow, despite all the wreckage it has left, you need to hear these words. It is not your fault. There are sins in your life. There's probably some brokenness that you are enduring that you do not have to own up to. Um, Right now, DNA testing has become a bit of a fad. Uh, People do DNA testing uh, to trace their roots, to find their ancestry. Um, Some people do DNA testing to secretly hope that they are a small percentage of an ethnicity that they like. I knew I had Italian in me. I knew there was a small percentage of Italian because I just love the Olive Garden. You know, much in this way, Christians often attempt a DNA test of the brokenness in their life. We try to trace the wreckage, the brokenness in our lives back to a certain point. We try to find the genesis of it. We try to find where we messed up, what we did wrong to cause the ripple effects in our life today. And friends, sometimes or often, this exercise isn't helpful. Rather, it's actually crippling. Sometimes you don't have to take responsibility for the brokenness in your life. Sometimes it's not your fault. 
You know, a few years back, there was a woman who sought counsel from me uh, a few times. Her child had a mental disability. And as we spoke and as she shared, she was she shared how she was constantly lost in her own thoughts as she as she tried to trace the origins of this disability. Was it some medication that I took in the past? Was my intimacy with my husband wrong? Am I being punished for something I did? And over and over again, I had to assure her, no, your child is perfect. And the difficulties that you are going through is not your fault. Children whose parents are divorced sometimes live with the same burden. Maybe if I was a better son, if I was a better daughter, my parents would not have separated. People living in the wreckage of broken relationships struggle with this all the time. Women with infertility wrestle with this as well. Friends, I don't know the burden that you've been carrying around. But if you are presently digging deep into your past and trying to open up doors that have been closed long ago, it just might be that it is not your fault. You don't have to try to discover where you went wrong. And I think this is an extremely important point to draw out because, yes, there are sins that we actively participate in, sins that we have to own up to, but there is also sin in our lives that we had inherited, that was passively given and received. And with those sins, I want you to know that it's not your fault. So that's sin. The second point, separation. Now, even though this skin disease was involuntarily received, uh, because it was still classified as a form of uncleanliness, it required separation. You see, if you had this disease, it meant that you had to go as far away as possible. You had to be separated from everything and everyone. You couldn't draw near to God. In fact, you had to go in the very opposite direction. You couldn't even be around the people that loved you, the people who could actually care for you. No, you were forcibly removed from community and isolated from everyone. If you look with me at verses 45 and 46, this is what it says. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You know, someone in this situation, um, as he was separated from everyone, was experiencing uh, living death. He was alive, but he was actually dead. I mean, if you look at the description, right, the person had to wear torn clothes, meaning he had to take the posture of a mourner, someone who was weeping. His entire life was one of sorrow. He couldn't cut or groom his hair. Yet he was forced to cover his upper lip, his entire mouth, because people were afraid of transmission through his breath. Furthermore, 
he was required to constantly cry out, unclean, unclean. So that if in the slim chance someone was out in the wilderness passing by, that person would know that he is a leper and would go nowhere near that person. The most devastating was the fact that this person had to live alone. Imagine a person out in the wild living alone, forced to cry out day and night, unclean, unclean. I mean, you can almost hear the echoes of that desperate cry reverberating in that lifeless land. You know, this person was uh, supposed to call out unclean, unclean, and this was for the passerbyers. But, you know, there's no one really out in the desert. And while the intent was to alert others, it actually morphed into the person calling out to himself, unclean, unclean. See, while this leper was out alone, forced to cry out, unclean, unclean, he began talking to himself. And he began pronouncing to his own self that he was unclean. In other words, out in the wilderness, this individual was spawning his own identity based on his new consciousness as someone who was unclean, someone who was unworthy to be in the form of any life. You know, this is a form of psychological identity shaping. You know, our identities are shaped for the most part by someone telling us who we are, right? At a young age, Um, We are told by our parents, you are my son, you are my daughter. We're told by loved ones, you are my beloved, I care for you, I love you, you are mine. And when you hear that long enough, you start to believe it. And you start to say it to yourself, I am loved, I am cared for. But conversely, if you hear constantly things that are damaging and hurtful, no matter how far from the truth they may be, you will start to believe it. Uh, I've witnessed uh, young children uh, whisper to themselves, I'm bad, I'm bad. It's because they were constantly told by someone older than them, perhaps a parent or a teacher, you're bad, you're bad. And after hearing that long enough, they start to believe it. I'm bad, I'm bad. If you're told over and over again, you're a loser, you're a loser, you'll start to say, I'm a loser. You're a failure, you're a failure, you're unwelcomed, you're unclean, you are unacceptable, you are unrelatable, you are unworthy. If you start to hear this over and over again, you will start to say it to yourself. You'll start to believe it. Friends, the repetition of words is a form of identity shaping. And that's what's going on here. You know, I think the most puzzling thing about Leviticus 13, the most challenging thing about this passage is that on one hand, it acknowledges that the person who has this sickness is not responsible. It's not his fault. It was transmitted to him. However, on the other hand, this passage, the way in which it deals with this sickness, this sin, feels like a death sentence. You know, I think the reason why there is this tension between it's not your fault, yet it feels like death, 
is because of the serious effects of sin. You see, sin, regardless of whether or not you are the culprit or the victim, has the effect of forcibly separating you from God and quite often separating you from your community. In other words, sin has a way of removing you from the source of life, God himself, and it pushes you more and more into isolation. Leviticus 13 tells us what this is like, but I'm almost positive um, we've all experienced this. When we experience the stifling nature of sin, it makes us clam up. We often respond by voluntarily removing ourselves from people, from community, from God. We don't want to near we don't want to be near people, and we certainly don't want to be near God when we sin. When we sin, we have thoughts of running away. When sin affects us, we have thoughts of hiding of being alone, we want to enter into isolation. You know, this is not a personality thing. If this is who you are, I just want you to know this is not a character flaw in you. It's the serious effect of sin. If you remember Adam and Eve, after they sinned, what was the first thing they did? They hid. It's what sin causes all of us to do. Sin removes us from the source of life, removes us from our own communities. Sin makes us want to run away and isolate ourselves. So that's sin, that's separation. So what is the solution? Well, Leviticus 13 and 14 tells us that the solution is the priest. See, the only way that a leper can be admitted back into the presence of God, the only way that a leper can be admitted back into the community of others, is through the mediating work of the priest. In fact, it's the priest who would go out into the wilderness. It's the priest who would draw near to the leper to examine him or her. It's the priest who would offer up a sacrifice on behalf of of the leper. Friends, our separation from God and isolation from true community can only be eradicated through the mediating work of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. It's only through the work of Jesus, his pursuit of you and his sacrifice for you. It's only by his words spoken over you It's only by his pronouncement you are clean and it is finished. It's only by these words and these actions that we can be redeemed and restored. Now, there's a movie in 2007 called uh, Wonder, entitled Wonder, and it tells the inspiring and heartwarming story of August Pullman. August Pullman was a child born with a facial disfigurement and since he was a young child his parents did not enroll him in a public school afraid that he would be made fun of now they finally uh, after a few years they finally enroll him into a public school and as the story goes this child is made fun of he is called ugly he is called ugly 
There's this one scene where the son and the mother are talking. And the mom reassures the son. She says, son, you are not ugly. And anyone who cares to know you will see that. The boy in anger and in disappointment and frustration says, no, mom, you have to say that because you're my mom. The mom doesn't miss a beat, and she responds right away. She says, no, it's because I'm your mom, it counts the most. Because I'm your mom, I know you the most. Believe me. Friends, you can preach to yourself over and over again. I am unclean. I am unclean. Others can call you the same. Your friends and your family might even affirm that. You are a failure, you are a loser. But would you this morning listen to the words of your high priest, the only words that matter? You are clean, you are righteous, you are mine, you are beloved, you are loved, you are worth it. You know, let me just give you a few practical applications or maybe some instructions as we conclude and try to apply this to our lives. Um, You know, first thing is um, if you find yourself taking responsibility for the brokenness in your life, I just want to say you do not have to carry a cross that is not yours. Jesus will do that. Even though that doesn't belong to him, Jesus will voluntarily pick up that cross so that you and I can live in his gospel freedom. You know, there's a passage in the Gospels, uh, Mark 1 in particular, where Jesus heals a leper. Jesus had just begun his earthly ministry and he's out. And there's a leper who comes up to him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, the passage tells us that Jesus was so indignant. He was so angered by what he saw. And Jesus doesn't examine him like the priests do in Leviticus. He doesn't say, hey, isolate yourself for seven days. No, he just reaches out his hand and he touches the man and he says, be clean. And instantly the man was clean. Now, Jesus, he sends this healed leper away and he says this, please don't tell anyone what just happened, but go offer up the sacrifices according to uh, the law of Leviticus, the law of Moses so that you can be accepted back into community. Now, of course, this individual does the very opposite. He goes and he tells everyone what had happened. And when everyone hears that Jesus touched a leper, Jesus was no longer allowed into towns and communities. And actually, Mark 145 ends in this interesting way. It says this, He he was no longer allowed to enter a town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. Jesus, as a result of touching this leper and cleansing him, he was considered a leper. And Mark 1 tells us that he had to stay by himself in lonely places. Jesus was treated like a leper. You know, this makes more sense, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21, you read what it says. It says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Jesus became sin for us. Jesus took up our infirmities. He took up our sins. He took up our diseases. He bore the cross that we could not carry. And so if this morning you are burdened by a brokenness that you don't know where it came from or how it was received, if you find this morning that you don't know how or why or in what way your life was wrecked, and you're trying to trace the steps, you don't have to. Jesus takes up that cross for you. He bears your burdens for you. The second practical point is this. If right now um, you find yourself in isolation, if you find that you are alienated, um, you are separated from God, if you find that you are separated from others, and you are trying to work your way back, I want to stop you where you're at. This too is not a cross that you can shoulder. You cannot narrow the gulf between you and God. The effect of sin is just too great. You know, there's this wrinkle in uh, Leviticus 13 that I think is often passed over. But if you look at verses 9 to 13, it says this, When a priest goes out to examine a leper, and if he sees that there's white swelling in the skin, but if the priest can find raw skin, healthy skin, in other words, if his entire body is not infected, the priest is to pronounce him unclean. And it says that the priest has to shut him up. However, really interestingly, if the priest goes out and he finds that the leper is covered with this disease, if his entire body is covered and the priest can't find a single spot of raw, healthy skin, if his entire flesh is just white, covered with this leper's disease, the priest is to pronounce him clean. What a paradox. Friends, do you understand what this means? It means that if you only consider yourself to be somewhat sinful, if you think that you on your own possess a glimmer of hope and a chance of restoration by your own work, friends, you will never be clean. If there is a spot of raw, healthy flesh on you, you will never be pronounced clean. However, if you acknowledge this morning with your heart that you are a sinner, nothing but a sinner, and outside of Jesus, there is no hope for you in this life and in the next, he will make you whole. He will pronounce clean. Friends, church, at this time, would you allow Jesus, the perfect mediator, to do his work? Will you acknowledge your brokenness and your sin, both sins that you are responsible for and sins that you have inherited unknowingly? Will you allow Jesus, the perfect mediator, to do his work in cleansing you? And this morning, would you hear his words, the only words that matter, You are clean, you are righteous, 
You are mine. You are beloved. Join me in prayer at this time.